coming up on This Week in Games. Apple is in hot water with loot box lawsuits and app store policies. Stadia hopes a reprice will reinvigorate Stadia interest. And Epic Games is fundraising again. But for what? Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was quite an interesting week in the game industry. But before we kick it off, I have some news to share on my end. I have committed to attend Dartmouth Tuck School of Business in the fall. I was accepted a few months ago, but I was on the fence about attending due to many things going on, you know, in the world, in my life, and everything. But I'm happy to say that I've secured housing and will be in Hanover, New Hampshire this fall and pretty much for the next two years. What this means for this podcast is I will be developing new skills such as, you know, accounting and finance and marketing and other business-related skills that I don't necessarily have right now. And I can do things better like read IPO S1s or quarterly earnings and provide proper financial commentary to go along with my game development experience and point of view. So I think it benefits everyone. But that's not why you're here. You're here for this week in games, so let's kick it off. Apple hit with proposed class action lawsuit over its handling of loot boxes in the App Store. A class action lawsuit has been filed at the U.S. District Court of Northern California against the App Store owner over, quote, predatory practices enticing consumers, including children, to engage in gambling and similar addictive conduct in violation of this and other laws designed to protect consumers and to prohibit such practices, end quote. Games mentioned in the file are Brawl Stars, Mario Kart Tour, FIFA Soccer, and Roblox, which frankly aren't the worst offenders in the context of loot boxes and predatory practices. I mean, hell, the whole social casino genre. Just click on casino genre on the App Store. All of that should be targeted first. I'm the lawyer. I can't comment on whether this has any like legal legs or not, but this is yet another blow against randomized rewards. And after, you know, in the United States, we had a Senate committee and multiple bills proposed at, proposed at the state and national Senate level to either curve or outright ban loot boxes against children. I think in 10 years, we'll look back on this uh, time when, you know, pretty much game companies are getting crazy multiples and most of their revenue is coming from loot boxes and games as a service uh, spending. I think it'll be like, We'll look back on it and it'll be crazy that we convinced children to spend hundreds of dollars in a game to get a single virtual item from what effectively is a slot machine. I can't see randomized rewards bought from U.S. dollars to be a thing targeted at children in 2030. So this is kind of, you know, even if this doesn't have legal legs, there's so many things going on in the world against this exact practice and what this class action lawsuit hopes to curve. Um, We can... You know, we can speculate that these class action lawsuits are really for lawyers to make tons of money. Um, but that being said, I mean, this is happening everywhere, and I really can't see this keep going on, especially when it comes to children under the age of 18 and basically having slot machines and games. More Apple news, however. Facebook and Apple are at odds with each other following the reject- rejection of the latest Facebook gaming app to the iOS app store. The New York Times is reporting that Facebook sent over its Facebook gaming app for approval to Apple last month. After a few weeks, Apple came back with the rejection. This rejection is over. Kind of the App Store policy section 4.7, 
which allows HTML5 apps to be distributed over the over a single iOS app, you know, basically because of web browsers. Web browsers distribute what are effectively HTML5 apps via the web browser, and you access them through a web browser. But code, distribu- code distribution is not the main purpose of said iOS app, and, quote, the code is not offered in a store-store-like interface, end quote. So basically, iOS doesn't want you to have an iOS app that effectively is a different app store other than the iOS app store. kind of makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't want your competitor to release a competitor your exact product on your product. Um, this isn't the only news about major tech companies getting their apps rejected by Apple. Apple has been beefing up its app store guidelines to maximize their income and kind of like basically dig a bigger mode around the app store. Apple recently rejected popular email app Hey for utilizing payment and subscription techniques, basically web browser to circumvent the app store 30% cut of subscriptions used by all other major companies, including Hey's parent company Basecamp. So Basecamp used this technique to circumvent the app store 30% cut. And then Hey, which is a subsequent like service under Basecamp, <laughs> used that exact same technique and Apple has been rejecting them. This has been a public dispute along with this Facebook gaming one. The Facebook gaming app is meant to be a casual game hub for HTML5 games found on Facebook's platform. The app has been improved and released on the Google Play Store, however. The New York Times is reporting that since February, Apple has rejected five versions of the Facebook gaming app. That's pretty ridiculous. (laughs) This type of moat digging really is drawing more and more regulators as the European Union has opened up another antitrust investigation into the App Store and its stranglehold on app developers and their access to users, especially on that hardware. The United States Justice Department is looking into their own investigation over the App Store, citing there is no consistency in App Store approval decisions which companies are or are not allowed to do what on its platform. I've heard many smart people actually break down why the App Store is allowed to monopolize on their hardware, with the App Store being the only software distribution avenue for anything to be released on Apple hardware, but it still doesn't make sense to me. Like, uh, this seems very clear, like something that wouldn't be allowed, um, let's say Microsoft in the 90s with PC, for example. I don't think, there's no way the courts would be like, oh, well, if you want (laughs) to, if you want to have a, a you know, software released on Windows in the 90s. You have to go through the Windows, you know, store, and we control what who is allowed on the store and what's approval for updates on the store. And if you don't want to do that, then there's no way you can release software on our systems, which, you know, isn't true. The App Store is so clearly something that should and needs to be unlinked to Apple's hardware business. I experienced this exact issue Facebook is facing at Google. When the Google Assistant started allowing actions which are the apps on the google assistant to provide html5 code for visuals to accompany the audio of a google assistant um, action similar to loot boxes and miners i don't know if the app store and apple software policies in general survive the next 10 years because of the level of scrutiny they're under right now again by both the european union and the justice department those are two enemies you don't want to make Next up, Google Stadia cuts its premier price tag as well as its benefits. The game platform already forgotten, Google Stadia is lowering the price of its premier edition, which is basically a Stadia controller and a $60 Chromecast Ultra, from $129.99 to $99.99. That's a $30 price cut. But that isn't the only change. Google is taking away the free three months of Stadia Pro that came with the premier edition. Stadia Pro is $9.99 a month, so basically... 
Google is decoupling the service from the hardware. So that would price. So the, basically, the Google Stadia Premier is a Stadia controller, a $60 Chromecast that puts the Stadia controller at a $40 value because they took away $30, which are three months of Stadia Pro. <laughs> Instead, now all new Stadia accounts, whether they're bought with the Premier Edition or not, get one free month of Stadia Pro. And what is Stadia Pro, you ask? Well, Stadia Pro gives users the ability to stream in 4K as opposed to 1080p, and it gives you free games each month, similar to PSN. Now, this is all super confusing because Stadia is free technically, but you have to buy $60 games to play on Stadia. And so Stadia Pro gives you the ability to stream in 4K and free games every month. I think there's been a total of 18 of them. But it's it's not like, I don't know, it's not like a Netflix, right? And everyone gets confused with the Stadia Pro. Stadia Pro is effectively P PlayStation Network with like 4K and free games. And then Stadia Free is you get the ability to buy $60 games, which you still have on Stadia Pro. This is borderline no news to me, this price cut. And it's really a sign that Google doesn't know what it's doing with Stadia. The decoupling of services and a price change from $129.99 to $99.99 isn't really going to convert anyone who was on the fence with Stadia to begin with. I really don't know what is a solid pathway for Stadia at this point to kind of like regain muster and to really position itself to be a key player probably in the next five years. You know, you're going to see Amazon, you're going to see Microsoft, obviously, even Tencent. You're going to see everyone dip into this cloud gaming service. I wouldn't be surprised if Epic is also dipping into this. Um, Google would benefit more than any other company from swallowing a smaller publisher like last week's WB Games, who's looking for a buyer, and pray that that smaller publisher can generate hype by forcing all of its subsequent studios to utilize Stadia-only or Stadia-unique features for their IP. With Stadia, there's an endless list of features and cool ideas and cool stuff that are only possible really on a cloud gaming platform. But yet no games, as far as I know, are really taking advantage of these. And even if games were, they're not going to be games with giant IPs or giant built-in fan bases or studios with giant built-in fan bases. So Bungie's next big game isn't going to utilize Stadia-only features, right? Mortal Kombat isn't going to utilize Stadia-only features, so... If X, Y, and Z 20-person studio out of Montreal uses Stadia-only features, but they're not really producing a game that has to be owned, you know, are those features really being used? It's kind of like the tree falling in the forest, guys. <laughs> All right, now let's go to business news. Um, I think this is the biggest story of the week. I was surprised at this. It's actually a little mind-blowing, and that's Epic Games is raising a report at $750 million dollars at a $17 billion evaluation. The evaluation is not surprising. I actually, you could almost argue the evaluation would be higher, but why would Epic want $750 million? Like, they're killing it right now. So, Bloomberg is reporting that Fortnite developer, Unreal Engine owner, and Epic Game Store parent company, Epic Games, is raising a massive $750 million round. The previous investors, KKR, which are you know, arguably one of the biggest private equity companies in the world, are joined by new investors Bali Gifford and T. Rowe Price. Um, likely there are more to this fundraising round than those three, but Epic Games declined to comment to Bloomberg. Fortnite continues to break records during the worldwide indoor summer, and Epic's acquisition of House Party 
kind of gives epic like eerie clairvoyance to what was to come because they bought house party and then we're all being told to stay indoors and not look at each other in person so it's pretty funny uh, this is an interesting time to raise money, as many would think Epic is flush with cash with their games and services. Epic's total fundraising over its 29-year existence currently sits at $1.6 billion, including private equity rounds as recent as December 2018 and the infamous Tencent round, where in 2012, Epic sold 40% of the company to the Chinese giant Tencent for $330 million. So why the fundraising round? Um, and what would they do with the money? This is weird. As always, I'll caveat this with this is my uneducated opinion. Hey, maybe after two years at Tuck Business School, I'll have a more educated opinion. Epic is slowly becoming the Microsoft of the game industry, in my opinion. Offering services at every single step of the life of a game, from development to services to publishing to distribution to live ops, Epic still has some glaring holes in their value chain, however. So what they could spend the money on is like they don't currently have a meaningful data analytics platform with powerful visualizations. So a thing like something that consumes all the data and visualizes it like a tableau. I don't think Epic has that at this point, or if they do, it's certainly not as popular and well-known as a tableau. Epic does acquire other content makers, such as House Party and Rocket League developer Psionics. The obvious answer is, well... You know, last week there was a salacious WB Games headline. Is Epic one of the conglomerates eyeballing WB Games? You know, Mortal Kombat is made in a bastardized version of Unreal 3. That It's amazing that Unreal 3 could produce graphics of that level. And Epic could acquire WB and make Mortal Kombat a flagship Unreal 5 property. Other WB games and properties use Unreal, such as Rocksteady's Arkham series. So Rocksteady and NetherRealm Studios, clearly big fans of Unreal. Epic could acquire WB games, kick everyone who isn't good out, and force everyone else to use Unreal 5 and make very beautiful games with Unreal 5. There are other game companies Epic could be eyeballing as well. Some of these companies are bound to Unreal. In fact, a lot of companies are bound to Unreal as an engine. You have From Software, their entire Soul series, I believe, is made in Unreal. I know Dark Souls 3 was. Even Gearbox in the Borderlands series made in Unreal. Their MMOs made in Unreal. I I even think uh what's that? What's that really? Uh Black Desert Online even made in Unreal. My hope wouldn't be Epic acquiring more studios that live and die on Unreal, however. I would rather see them continue pushing the distribution. So because of the stories above. They first challenged the monopoly on with the monopoly of Steam on PC with the Epic Game Stores. Now I want to see them take on Android on the mobile phones. Epic gave up on Fortnite being a sideload only game title on Android, and finally released it under the Google Play Store, giving up 30% of their revenue to Google. Now is the time to take on the monopoly of the Google Play Store and Apple's App Store. Lawmakers are very close to doing meaningful investigations into the validity of monopolistic claims against Apple and Google, Epic would be smart to have a third-party store ready to go if, legisl if legislation goes their way. So that's where I think the money could be. Is like, right now, mobile seems to be the ire of many developers of how it works, who they let on, you know, the top 100 mo grossing games in mobile are getting stagnant, CPI costs are going way up, LTVs are going up linearly, you know, it's it's just not a good business to be in. And Epic really could like break that stranglehold of Monopoly and advertising on that platform and kind of release their own game store. And I think that's where they should focus this money. They 
didn't, however, contact me. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Tim Sweeney didn't call me up. Um, I don't know if he's a This Week in Games listener. Didn't call me up and ask me. Can't tell you what they're doing. If you look at who um, Epic Games has acquired in the past, you see it is a lot of service companies to beef up holes in the you know value chain that is the Unreal Engine all the way to distribution. And you see them acquire content companies. Probably one of those two. Maybe they're not going into distribution on mobile, but I can only hope. All right, two more stories and that's it. And then I'll let you guys go. First up, Star Citizen continues to astound me as it surpasses 300 million in crowdfunding. If you listen to this podcast over the few years, I complain every time Star Citizen passes another major crowdfunding milestone. I truly despise this company because of how much money they've raised for a game that still hasn't been released. So after surpassing $250 million raised in December 2019, it took them over a year to go from $200 million raise to $250 billion raise. Well, the COVID-19 epidemic seems to have helped push the speed of fundraising past its next milestone, and now they've passed $300 million raised in about seven months. For those of you out of the loop, Star Citizen is a space exploration game that has been in early access since 2014 with no actual release date. That's right. A game has made $300 million being in early access. I don't know if they're ever going to release it. And you might say, like, well, Eric, what what are people buying? You know, well, the game funds itself by selling ships to explore space with that players can own. And the ships cost upwards of thousands of dollars. I don't know how much the most expensive ship is right now. But I know you can easily spend, as a single person, you could probably spend $20,000 in the game. I don't, we'd have to do an investigation. I don't want to shoot my brain by looking into it. Maybe I will. Um, what is the money spent on? What is this $300 million going towards? I can't tell you. There's a lot of speculation. I don't know if anyone spent thousands of dollars on Star Citizen and reflected it and said that was a good decision. But it keeps happening, so there must be making someone happy. I'm almost turning a corner and I'm saying, you know what? Congratulations, Star Citizen. (laughs) You're like, you clearly have fans. You're making people happy. You're raising a lot of money. Maybe we should start celebrating you on this week in games. Not quite yet. I'm still putting you down. Um, Maybe next milestone. I'll change my tune. Last up, Ziggurat Interactive acquires game licenses from Majestic Entertainment IP including the Blood Rain series. So this is a weird one. GameIndustry.biz is reporting that Colorado-based Ziggurat Interactive has acquired Blood Rain, Advent Rising, Raises Hell, and Flips Twisted World from holder Majestic Entertainment. Publisher Ziggurat has revealed it is already working with developer Terminal Reality on a new Blood Rain game. Ziggurat was formed in March of last year and has already acquired the 3DO game company and they're kind of like catalog licenses. So what this leads me to think is, is this the North American THQ Nordic? Like THQ Nordic, this is their game. This is their play. Go take stuff that has, I don't know, reasonable brand recognition. Like Blood Rain is kind of known still. Like I know it very well, but I'm, you know, in my 30s. I don't know. I, I mean, people still know Blood Rain, I imagine. So go acquire it, make new games, release them, make the games on the cheap. Uh, release some profit, acquire more IP, you know, start off with really old companies like 3DO, move your way up. It is strange to be so enthusiastic about the Blood Rain series. For those of you who don't remember it, it was a mature game series about a scantily clad vampire who basically had 
sword attachments to her arm and then she would decapitate other vampires. So I, I, I just remember playing the game. It was an early 2000s game. And I remember the characters just like twirling around and like vampires' heads popping up. And it was like a third-person action game. <laughs> like that's, that's my fondest memory of Blood Rain. Um, it produced three games and a terrible movie directed by Uwe Bull, who, I don't know, has pretty much destroyed everything he touched. But it's interesting, like Ziggurat Interactive, THQ Nordic, this is a new strategy, and I guess it's profitable because these people just keep acquiring licenses, IPs, make games on the cheap, make money off the IP, um, fundraise more money, acquire more games. I mean, you know, this company just formed last March, and they already have a new Blood Rain game in development, so congrats to you guys, you're getting work done, and that's a good thing. All right. That's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at ericeric at thisweekingames.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on future stories, lastly, please check the show notes for any of the stories you heard on today's episode. All right, I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week for This Week in Games.